Please join me in the prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our epistle reading this morning comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Listen to God's word for us. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their flatteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues, and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And no one, call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah, The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You kind of feel bad for him at this point in the story, the poor scribes and Pharisees. Jesus simply will not take his foot off the gas. He will not give them a break. He is nearing the end of his earthly journey, and the crowds have once again gathered around him with his disciples, and Jesus, as he nears the end, is holding nothing back. He lets the people know what he thinks about their religious leaders. Their sermons are decent, their Bible studies are good, he says, but do not mimic their behavior. They don't practice what they preach. Their strict interpretation of the law places undue burdens on people, and when they're not busy educating the people, they walk around town with their spiritual garbs on display looking for a compliment here or there, or a good free meal. 
Now, I've been with you long enough as your interim pastor to know that you are not an overly pious congregation. I say it as a compliment. You are not showy with your faith. You don't look for attention or even affirmation. You don't crave titles like elder or deacon or trustee. Thankfully, you are not like the scribes and the Pharisees in this way, which is why it would be really easy for you and me to move quickly past this passage to what comes next. But I believe that would be a mistake because at the end of this mini-sermon where Jesus denounces the scribes and the Pharisees and their hypocrisy, there's this little warning tucked in at the end, a warning for everyone with ears to hear. All who exalt themselves will be humbled. All who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a difficult word, but an important word for us to hear. Let's not lie to ourselves today. Let's be honest with ourselves. We live in a time when self-promotion is considered a basic human right. Look around and you'll see the virtue of humility is struggling. It's on life support. Succeed, achieve, strive, promote, win. These are the virtues of our day. Be the best you can be. Earn your way to the top. Make your mark in this world. Increase your followers. Get those titles to put at the end of your name. These are the messages all of us here, all of us listening, all of us watching. These are messages we have received from parents, from teachers, from loved ones, all of our life, from an early age. And they are all messages completely at odds with the teachings of Jesus. Serve, don't lead. Lose your life, don't find it. Love your enemies, don't hate them. Give generously to all, don't be discerning. Pick up your cross and follow me. As T.S. Eliot reminds us in his poem, Little Gidding, you are not here to verify, instruct yourself, or inform curiosity or carry report. You are here to kneel. Annie Cadlick, Annie Cadlick, excuse me, Annie is the most recent recipient of the Fighter of the Year Award from Fight the New Drug, a nonprofit that helps people make informed decisions regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects. It's an amazing organization, Fight the New Drug, and it's doing some really important work in this world. In addition to her passionate fight against pornography, and its harmful effects, Annie is also studying to become a social worker with a focus on how exercise benefits people's emotional as well as their physical health. She's a young woman in her 20s who desperately wants to make the world a better place. She's walking the walk each and every day. Annie also has dwarfism, and the challenges she faces because of her dwarfism have only deepened her desire to serve and care for other people. In a recent interview I heard, Annie was asked what she was most proud of in her young life. I think 
there are the things, she said, I think there are the things that have titles to them. Like I'm the president of the student body at my school, and I'm really proud of that. I'm really excited about the opportunity. But I think I'm more proud of things that don't have labels and don't have job titles. I'm really proud of the way I have a reputation at school for being intentional and for caring about people, for being willing to advocate for others, and for constantly pushing that love is an action, not a passive statement. So I think I'm more proud of all of that. 22 years old, and she gets it. What are you proud of? Our answer to this question might tell us where we currently are in our journey with Jesus. What are you most proud of? If Jesus asked that question to the scribes and to the Pharisees that day, I think their answers, frankly, would have sounded a lot like many of our answers. I'm proud of my job, my degree. I'm proud of my place in this world. I'm proud of all that I've accomplished. I'm proud of who I've become. Of course, there's nothing wrong with celebrating and giving thanks for all these things. What gets us in trouble is when we start to think that these things, these accomplishments, these successes, can save us. That is what Jesus is getting at in this mini-sermon to the crowd as he nears the end of his earthly life. Don't seek status and power and titles like they do. Seek instead the path of humble service, the path of downward descent, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The theological term for what Jesus commands here is called kenosis, or literally self-emptying. We are taught from a young age to succeed, achieve, strive, promote, and win. And in response, Jesus invites us to jump off the pyramids of self-promotion and the ladders of personal achievement so we can step down into a life of humble service, a life of letting go, a life of emptying ourselves so we can come to experience the blessings that come from God and God alone. I wonder if Jesus is so hard on these Pharisees and scribes, it seems like week after week, I wonder if he's so hard on them because of how much he loves them. They are, after all, brothers in the faith who take seriously God's law. They are his people. They understand the text that he loves. And I imagine as, they, as he watches them parade around town looking for affirmation and confirmation from anyone and everyone, I imagine as he watches them do that every single day, he grieves for them because he knows what lies ahead of them. All who humble themselves will be exalted. All who exalt themselves, they will be humbled. This is as much a promise to us as it is a warning. I've come to believe that a big part of a pastor's job, a big part of my job, this is gonna sound strange, but I think it's to get people to have their midlife crisis 
as early as possible. I want to encourage the inevitable, and I want to make it happen early in life. So young people, middle-aged folks, can spend more of their earthly days living out of a deep understanding of their love, God's love for them, not because of what they say or do or accomplish, but because of who's and who they are. I mean, imagine having the energy and passion of an early 30-year-old with the wisdom and perspective of someone in their 90s who knows what matters and what does not. I kind of worry that because we've made salvation primarily about heaven and hell, we've, we've missed the urgency that is often conveyed by Jesus' words and his teachings. There's an urgency to his language that we sometimes miss. With our salvation secured, we turn down the intensity of Jesus' words so we can stand to hear them, and we go about our daily lives with an unnerving sense of calm. When it is our daily lives and the actions that define them that concern Jesus the most. He did not come just to get us into heaven for an eternity of wonder and blessing. That's part of why he came, but he also came so that we and other people could experience life abundant here and now. He came to get 20-year-olds to think like a 90-year-old, to get all of us to realize what matters and what does not. And he's so tough on those who miss the point. He's so tough on those who are missing the point because he so desperately wants them to figure it out as soon as possible so they can get on living. He wants them to pursue things that are going to bring them and others joy, not things that will only add to their burdens or the burdens of others. He wants them to get it. In the familiar story, Babette's Feast, by Isaac Denison, Babette, a gifted Parisian chef, is banished from her native Paris in a time of political turmoil. She washes ashore in a small Danish fishing village, where she discovers, shocking, a fractured and divided church. Who knew? The once tight-knit band of believers had been bickering with one another, nursing grudges and exchanging petty insults, as Christians sometimes do, much to the dismay of the two sisters who were in charge, who led the community. These two sisters, they hire Babette to be their cook, but despite her obvious skills in the kitchen, they ask her only to make the blandest, most ordinary of foods, foods they are used to eating and have been eating day after day. One day, Babette learns she struck gold. She has won the lottery in Paris. With this influx of cash, she has a new lease on life, an opportunity to start fresh, to start anew. But first, before she goes, she offers to cook a true feast, a true feast for her new community and her new friends. And as they gather around the table, friends and enemies, the villagers are treated to some of the most delicious gourmet fare in the world. And although these folks have no idea of the true value of Babette's gift to them, during the meal, as they eat, their community their church family is restored. Past insults are forgiven, grudges are dropped, 
and at the end of the evening, they join hands and sing the doxology under the stars. Of course, it's only after the meal that the two sisters discover that Babette, Babette had spent every dime she had won to purchase and prepare the food for that meal. We are all going to be humbled at one point or another. Life has a way of doing that to all of us. What Jesus wants for us, I believe, is to begin our journey to humility as soon as humanly possible. So we can experience the exaltation that comes with receiving with open hands and open hearts the gift, the unmeasurable gift of God's redeeming grace. All who humble themselves will be exalted, and all who exalt themselves will be humbled. This is as much as a promise as it is a warning. Succeed, achieve, strive, promote, win. These are the values of our world. Serve, follow, love, forgive, let it all go. These are the values of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is the very place Jesus invites us to dwell, not on some far-off day after we die, but here and now and every single moment. And trust me, that kingdom is not found in lofty places where titles and status and fancy stoles matter. That kingdom is found down here where we live in the lovely messiness that is human life. I implore you, do not wait until the end of your earthly journey to discover what matters and what does not. Begin the discovery now. Begin the journey now. Let go of all your striving so you can start serving. Let go of that need to win, to be right, so you can learn to love and listen. And let go of all that desire to achieve more and more, to be more and more, so you can discover at the core of your being what it means to be exalted by the God who loves you, not for what you do or achieve or earn, but because of who you are, God's beloved child. Amen.